Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Thank you for coming out on a beautiful day. How many of you know it's summer in Colorado? With, with a little haze. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I wish we could have those mountain views back. But we're so delighted to have you. Hi, everybody online. We are live in every service now, so we welcome you. And we're just so delighted to have you. It's been really fun to see some of you come back and jump back in. A lot of ministries at Timberline are firing back up and baptisms and summit. As a matter of fact, we had our first summit class a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, and had like 60-some people in the class. And then the following week, we had summit two where we had a people who graduated from Summit. That's kind of the gateway for new people. And this is a picture. Congratulate them. That was a, a wonderful uh, a morning last week, I believe it was. And so we're, we're, uh, we have set a date for traditions to come back, October 3rd in the, at, at uh, 9 o'clock. We're moving it back a little. That's going to be a fun time. And so we're just really on a roll of seeing so many cool things happen and we want you to be blessed by that, and we're praying that we can impact our community. That's what it's all about. Lord, reach our city. Lord, reach our world, right? It's why we do what we do. We, we exist for that. And so let's keep that in mind. I, uh, I, I really like this psalm. If, if you're new, you haven't been here, we've been in a series, The God of the Psalms. And we're in Psalm 5 today, and I've called this The God Who Guides Us. Because David is the author. It's a song, which we're familiar with. That's been the case many weeks. But there's not a narrative necessarily that goes with Psalm 5. Like sometimes you have a story, and he's in a cave, and he's writing this, you know, psalm or song, or he's grieving. or he's. This is, this is a psalm where David is really trying to trust God to guide him in the decisions that he's making. How many have ever made a decision in your life? Yes. You made multiple decisions today before you ever got here this morning. Some big, some little, maybe some bigger than others, but you made some decisions. How many of you actually set an alarm clock last night? You made a decision when you did that, and then you hit snooze and ignored it. That's okay. You made a decision, right? So, so all of these things are decisions, and we need someone to guide us in our lives, and God's good at that. I haven't had, how many of you have ever hired a guide for something, a fishing guide or hunting guide or something? Yeah, okay, quite a few of you have. I, I hadn't really that much, and Bonnie and I, we had a special um, wedding anniversary just a few years ago. And we decided to save up and go to a place we'd never been before. It's called Kauai. Have you ever been there? Some of you have. Oh, man, it was, uh, we're not, I, I mean, it's not like I like to travel all that much. Every now and then I'll, like, take a risk and go out to Greeley or, you know, something. You know, if I, if I want to, like, go to another planet, I'll actually go to Boulder. You know, that's always, woo. Um, but, 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 you know, so that was, a, it, was a, it was a big step for us, and we decided we're going to go and, and, we wanted to do everything possible. You know, it's not a big island. You can kind of do the whole thing in, in a day or two as far as the drive from one to the other. And, and so we, we found this place where you could hire a guide with some other people. I think there was about 10 or 12 of us. And we hired this guide to get in some kayaks 
and paddle up this river and it veered off into these little streams and we paddled way up and then we parked the kayaks and then our guide actually took us on a, on a trail up into the jungle mountains. It's just beautiful to this hidden waterfall where it comes off this high cliff down into this lake and it was just like a movie. You know, I just couldn't believe all this. Well, Bonnie and I had so much fun that day and we got back and the next day or two, I don't remember exactly, but the next day or two, I was, I was scrolling through the, all the pictures on my phone that I had taken. How many of you take too many pictures? You know, when it's digital, it's like click, 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 and you get back and it's all these pictures. What I didn't know is that there were some stops on the way where our guide had taken pictures of, of us and the group in different ways. And what I didn't know is that he had secretly turned my phone around and taken a picture of himself. Take, take a look at this. This is our guide. I had no idea that was on my phone. When I saw it, it scared me. This, this does not resemble what I view of God. You know, being our guide, but he was really a, a, nice, a nice young man. But God sometimes is our guide, even though we might not have a picture of it. I think there are times in our lives when we have junction moments and we don't know that God is guiding us in the moment. But how many of you can look back on some of those moments and go, God was my guide. <laughs> God was there back there when I made that decision. Or God stopped that from happening. I have times in my life when God, he put a roadblock up because he did not want me going down that path. And so David is, is listing some of the traits. Now, he doesn't use the words that I am using in building this outline. These are my words. But there are five traits that I see in Psalm 5. It's not a long psalm. Have you noticed that I don't pick long psalms? I just like the short ones. Um, but we're going to read the whole thing a little bit at a time. And there are five traits as David walks through his thought process about God guiding him. So number one is this, I long for your attentiveness, O God. David starts this psalm with a plea to God to listen to him. In verse one, it actually says, O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. In other words, please, I, I need you to hear me. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. And then he says, For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and I wait expectantly. So the very first thing he does is say, Please hear me. How many of you would agree with me that we live in a world right now where People desperately need to be heard. They're trying to be heard any way they can get a voice. And here's what I've noticed. Less people are listening. So they talk louder. We've gotten a lot louder as a culture in the last year and a half or so. And there is a lot of yelling 
I'd like to just propose that God doesn't really yell. And if you want him to listen, you don't need to yell. Yelling at God isn't going to make him more attentive to you. He sees you, he knows you, but David, there's a sense of desperation. And I like when he actually says, Lord, listen to my voice, listen to my prayer, and I'm not going to pray to any other gods. That's significant in this time. It's culturally relevant for us now as well, but polytheism was rampant in this part of the world when David was writing this. So many people would pray prayers like, God, if you don't hear me, then I'm going I'm to pray to a few other gods just in case. Is God who you depend on? Or do you have a backup plan? Is there someone else that you want to worship? Someone else you want to lean to? And I just challenge you today. David is saying, God, it's you. If you don't show up, if you don't hear me, if you don't listen, I have no hope. Because you are the God who can handle every request, every need that I had. And then he has this one last statement before he goes into this next phase. And he says that um, in the morning I will cry out to you. Now, I'm a morning person, so this makes sense to me. Like, you start your day with talking to God. But, you know, if you're not a morning person, you really don't like this part of the thing. It's like, no, my best time, I have a couple kids who their best time starts at 11 o'clock at night. It's like, man, that's when they kind of fire up and things start happening. And, and I'm like, what happened to you? You're not my child. You know, uh, it's just one of those things. But, but what David is saying is that I'm intentionally starting my day, whether it's at 5 o'clock or 10 a.m., I'm starting my day recognizing you are the source of my life. So attentiveness would be one of the qualities. The second quality is, oh God, I long for your righteousness. For God to guide me, I want to know that I am following someone who is righteous and who cares about righteousness. And David Basically, in this part of the psalm, he is acknowledging the righteousness of God. And here's how he does it. It's verse 4. Oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. For you hate all who do evil. You destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. What is, what is David doing? David is reminding God why he's so important to be my guide, to be David's guide. It's because you are righteous. It's because you make these declarations and you, you have this something about you that no one else has because you hate evil and you hate those who do evil. I have a question for you. And I, I've thought quite a bit about this because we're in a fallen world. How do you respond when... Evil wins. You know what I mean by that? Like, I'm not talking about the Raiders. <laughs> I'm really not. I'm talking about the spiritual battle in our world and in our culture where those things happen that just shouldn't happen. And I sometimes say, man, if I was God, I'm telling you right now, that would not be happening. I'd be stepping into that story. And then I'm reminded 
I'm reminded, for those of you who, who, who get weary of that, we are in a time in space. Remember, there's all of eternity ahead of us. We happen to be in this one little moment of time, which is a second to God, where sin and evil rule on this earth. Fallen mankind in the garden projected us into an earth where evil prevails. And many times, evil wins. And we have to take it. But I'm here to tell you there is a day coming. (laughs) There is a day coming when evil will no longer win. When God sets up his kingdom on this earth and there will be no more murder. There will be no more deception. God will rule. And I get excited when I think about whenever that day is going to be. And my brain goes off into thinking, what are we going to do with no crime? What are we going to do when we we have all these prisons and and there's no need for them? What are we going to do when you don't have to lock your car? No more passwords. Praise God. I don't need an app for that. Wow. Number three. David transitions, and he basically says, God, I long for your direction. Now, this is, I think it's the heart of the psalm, really, where where he kind of goes, what he's about to say. Because in verse 7, he says, Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Like, there's sincerity in this. And then look at verse 8. Right in the middle of the psalm, I think it's the heart, and partly why he wrote it. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. And look how he ends this section. Make your way plain for me to follow. When I read that, I immediately think that's how I feel so many times in my life. See, most of us who are followers of Jesus, if he will make it plain to us, we will do it. Would you agree? Lord, if you make it plain to me, I'll do it. The challenge for us is, is it plain? Like, is this God's decision or is this just something else I feel? Or, man, is this, is this the path? I if you make it plain, God, I will do it. And so David is pleading with the Lord to make it plain. Lead me in the right path, he says, or my enemies will conquer me. I like this because David is recognizing, and I think this is a great moment, Without God guiding us, we won't win. We won't get to the destination that he wants us to be. And so I need you to guide me or the enemies are going to win, especially in the culture we live in today. Winning is not automatic. I need to be led by the Spirit of God. So make your way plain to me. So how does God typically do this in our lives? Let's just pause here for a moment from the psalm. And get a practical idea. So I think there could be several things that could make it plain to you when you're praying about the will of God. Um, Many of you right now might be praying about the will of God. You're at a a junction in your life and you're saying, God, show me. What should I do? I I know there's change coming. I know there's something. So here's some some ideas. There's a a side of me that wants to just kind of say, if God's giving you a door to go through, then say yes and go through the door and start walking. And and he's not going to lead you until you start walking. And as you walk, things will become more clear. When you take a hike in the mountains, you don't see the sticks in the path that are 200 yards away. 
you see right now. This, this is in my way. That root could trip me and you step over it. You don't need to see what's 200 yards away. That's how it is sometimes when you walk with God. You, you go through the door and you say yes and you start. Other times, God closes the door. It just slams in your face and it's harsh. Have you ever been there? I mean, I've been there when I thought, this is God, man. He's opening a door for me. And I start to go through. Whack! <laughs> Hits you upside the head. It's like, No. That's not it. And you're like, well, that was confusing because I've been saving money for this. I've been planning on this. I wanted to go on that missions trip. And it's just like, no, no. And I don't know why that happens. I think sometimes it's a test to see if we are willing to say yes, see if we're willing to go through the process of saying yes. And God closes the door, and it might be that he'll open a door later based on your reaction to this closed door that you have now. Sometimes God makes it obvious. That's another thing that I love it when he makes it obvious what his will is. I know for me, God has put other people in my path to confirm his will sometimes. I have a few trusted friends that I say, this is what I'm feeling. You know, through the years at Timberline, man, we made a lot of big decisions, and I don't make them alone, I'll tell you right now. When, when you pray about buying land and you pray about building buildings, you pray about debt, you pray about leadership, you pray about your team and development and what are the risks and what are the rewards. I mean, there's a ton of stuff involved in this where you go, God, please, I need the counsel of wise men and women in my life. But I, what I do in my life typically, just to make this simple, I, I say something like this to God. Lord, this is the path that I'm going on because I feel like it's the door you're opening. Stop me if, if it's not meant to be, and I will not resent you. I want you to stop me if I'm not meant to be. And that way I can go about making it happen in the ways that I want to try to make it happen. And God has stopped me many times. Here, here's an interesting quote by F.B. Meyer. It says this, When we want to know God's will... There are three things which always concur. Now, this is kind of complex, but I hope you can just digest this. The inward impulse, which is, I believe is the anointing of the Spirit, that moment, the Word of God, the Bible, and the trend of circumstances. Because that's in the mix somehow. Where I am at this stage in my life with family, kids, singleness, whatever it is, Never act until these three things agree. I'm going to say them one more time. The inward impulse, the word of God, and the trend of circumstances. As I have thought through this, I've I've looked back and I've seen in my life just how true this really is because sometimes I have that initial response of a nudge from the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? It's like God says, step out. Trust me. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I can stop praying about it right there. God's not going to ask you to tell a lie. God's not going to ask you to be deceptive. God's not going to ask you to steal money. Like, God, I really need your will. I need to rob this bank. Can you help me? Give me wisdom. You know, no. (laughs) And I really need to pay attention to the the circumstances. I I just now thought of this, but I, I remember a young family years ago that came to me and dad was thinking about taking this, this venture, which was a, a long time, and they had three young children. And mom was saying, no, this can't, this can't be God. And I know God could say yes to something like that, but I, 
I feel like there was a responsibility on dad. You brought these kids into the world. How about let's stay and take care of them for a while? You know what I mean by that? So, so just the circumstances of your life, you need to pay attention to that. It might be that later on in life you have these opportunity. It's kind of like the story of the man who was on his roof and he was caught in a flood. And the flood waters were coming up to his house and up on his roof. He jumps up on his roof and all of a sudden these life jackets come by and he goes, wow, those really don't belong to me. God, I'm, I'm going to trust you to save me. And they go on by and, and a, a boat comes up with people and say, get in, get in. And he's like, no, God, God's going to save me. And they go on by. A helicopter comes over, a rope comes down, hop on. No, God's going to save me. He drowns. He goes to heaven. He said, God, why didn't you save me? I was trusting you. I was believing you. And, and God basically was saying, good grief. I sent a life jacket. I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. You chose not to do the steps that I was providing. Sometimes we choose death in our spirit, man, because we don't see what's right in front of us. Take the steps of faith. Take that joy step and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And God might provide in ways that you don't expect. Sometimes it's not a big miracle. It's just a friend who shows up and offers a helping hand. David Jeremiah, some of you have read some of his writings. He says this. When you follow God's will for your life, you can see how yesterday's events prepared you for today's challenges and for tomorrow's opportunities. I like that because there's a past, present, and future connected to this God who guides us. And he's acknowledging that. Let's move on. A couple more. Number four is David basically is saying, God, I long for your justice. I long for your justice. And, and he goes into this little rant into these next few verses, which we see often with David. He makes these proclamations, and then he comes back, and he talks about his enemies and how he wants God to mess them up, right? Verse 9, my enemies cannot speak a truthful word. He's, he's discouraged. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Man, if you've ever been on a hike and come across a dead animal, it's awful. It's just like, let's get out of here. That stinks. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Oh, God, declare them guilty. It's like, be their judge. Bring justice. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because there's so many of their many sins. For they have rebelled against you. We all feel a strong need in our world to have justice. And David has to give God this, this advice that God is not asking him for. <laughs> Would you agree? It's kind of like, did you ever do this? Do you ever kind of make the list of stuff that would be good for God to do and you kind of offer it to him? Like, this is the pretty good list if you want to take a look at this. It's interesting how we do that with God. David is doing that. But let me take you to the last part because I think this little summation at the very end says a lot about God being our guide and how it brings peace. And that is, God, I long for your comfort and your peace. I long for your comfort and your peace. And this is how David wraps up Psalm 5. But let who, all who take refuge in you, what? Rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. 
Spread your protection over them. That all who love your name may be filled with joy. He's done ranting about his enemies and justice and righteousness. And then he, he says this at the end. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. I, I like it when writers take a harsh element and they put it with a gentle emotion. The shield, war, battle, blood with God's love. Put your shield of love around me. What does it mean to surrender your pathway and let God lead you? That's the question that I want to wrap up with today. Where are you in your trust level of God? Did God mess up? Well, he didn't do what I asked him to. Okay, maybe that's a good thing. I was reading this quote from Tim Keller. The basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold my will into his. We don't always like that, but it is a reality. There's a great story in 1896, Judson Van Deventer was conducting a music school. He was a really gifted teacher. He mastered 13 instruments, like mastered them. Very few people can master one or two. And he was very gifted as a, as a musician, a songwriter, and he was a teacher. And he had a lot of influence in the music teaching world. And God started dealing with his heart about becoming an evangelist. And what he knew about being evangelist, he couldn't tie it together with his music gifts, though God would use that, but he couldn't see that. See, that's what happens sometimes. We can't see what God knows. And so after a wrestling match with God, if you've ever been there, you understand that phrase, he finally just surrendered and he said, okay, I'm done. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to quit this vocation. I'm going to become a full-time evangelist. I'm going to reach people for God. And he wrote a song in the process that was, that was published by Winfield Whedon. It's an old song. Some of you may know. The title of it is I Surrender All. It's a very convicting song. It's a very strong song. And I sung it as a kid growing up in church. The first verse. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. Sing it with me if you know it. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Sing it out. I surrender all I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. The only way God can be your guide 
is if you are willing to surrender. Pray with me. These are big words, Lord. It's almost intimidating to say them. There's some things I can surrender, but will I surrender all? <laughs> wow. Some of you right now in this room, some of you listening online, it's a surrender day. Not my will, but thine. Jesus said it on the cross when he was dying. I surrender this to you. I trust you more than I trust me. Wow. Easily said, hard to do. But right now, some of you, maybe just breathe it. Say it under your breath right where you are. I surrender all. I really do, Lord. I give it to you. It's not mine. Use me. Spend me. I'll be obedient, but I surrender it to you. Can't do it. Can't fix it. But I trust you. And I surrender it. For others of you in your life with heads bowed in this room and those online, listen carefully. You need a guide right now. I'm actually gonna, gonna allow you and, and ask you to lift your hand to God in a moment, not to me, but to God, to say, right now, God, I need a guide. I need you to make this clear to me because I'm, I'm at a junction place. I'm at a crossroads. If that's you, would just put up a hand and put it right back down. Hold it up, put it down. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters at this junction point in their life. They need a guide. They need you to step in and say, no, it's this way. Lord, we pray what David prayed. Make it plain to us. Help us to see the path you want us to walk on. And we will. I pray that over this family, Lord. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Bless them today. As we surrender to you. And for those who need justice. For those who have been waiting for justice like David was. Bring justice into their world and let them see a holy God who acts in their behalf because you are a God of righteousness, holiness, and justice. We thank you. Lord, if anyone is separated from you online or in this room, may they surrender their will, their life, and say yes to following you today. We pledge all this to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen.